Welcome to Psalm Springs, a podcast dedicated to an open and hopefully inspirational discussion of the biblical book of Psalms. We come to you each week with different aspects and different views of the ancient text and how those texts might inform our lives today. Welcome to another episode of Psalm Springs, a production of Orhamid Bar in Palm Springs, California, where usually I'm in discussion with someone else and uh, trying to learn what we can from the book of Psalms, the ancient book of Psalms, for our lives today, where we are here and now. And while I continue to learn with others on the phone and in emails and uh, in Zoom, FaceTime, whatever it might be, I'm sitting here by myself. This is the first time of all of our episodes. I'm usually with someone else, and it is a bit of a challenge. I, like many, grew up in the tradition of chavruta, that is studying in a partner. It's just much easier to study text together, that ongoing conversation, that um, organic conversation, I find is, is just much better for creativity and for understanding the conversation, the discussion, the ongoing dialogue. And now we have a multilog, multilog. So many different people on the other side of this uh, broadcast are listening. And um, I'd like to talk today about washing of the hands in one of the Psalms, in Psalm 26. Uh, I'll read it in just a moment, but I'd like to dedicate this episode to my good friend and colleague, Rabbi Jonathan Klein, who brought this item up, this particular line of this psalm, in the context of what we're going through, all of us today, all over the world. And uh, we've heard so much about washing hands and how long you have to wash your hands for and what songs to sing. And it was 20 seconds and it went up to 50 seconds, maybe 60 seconds. And um, this is not about the hygienic aspects so much, but the symbolic aspects. And uh, why don't I go ahead and read the psalm first, and then we'll talk about that particular line with some of the other ideas that are passed to down to us through this psalm. Psalm 26, and I'm going to read from Robert Alter's relatively new commentary for David. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my wholeness, and the Lord I have trusted. I shall not stumble. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Burn pure my conscience and my heart. For your kindness is before my eyes, and I shall walk in your truth. I have not sat with lying folk, nor with furtive men have dealt. I despise the assembly of evildoers, nor with the wicked have I sat. Let me wash my palms in cleanliness, and go around your altar, Lord, to utter aloud a thanksgiving, and to recount all your wonders. Lord, I love the abode of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not take my life's breath with offenders, nor with blood-guilty men my life, in whose hands shall in whose hands there are plots, their right hand full of bribes. But I shall walk in my wholeness, redeem me, grant me grace. My foot stands on level ground. In the chorus, I bless the Lord. Well, there's a lot of similarities, of course, between this psalm and the first psalm, Psalm number one, in which uh, we are told that the person, the blessed person, the fortunate person is one who does not sit with um, with silly people, with uh, non-productive people, with negative people. And here, too, there's a list of 
kind of negative types, the wicked and um, furtive and lying folk. Um, and of course, um, I'd like to go from the simple meaning of the text here to the metaphor, as we will do with the washing of the palms, washing of the hands. Here, we don't sit, we pride ourselves in, in this prayer, this very personal prayer of this psalm, whether it is for David or whether it was David who wrote it, however you wish to believe, the poet, the psalmist is saying to God, please don't judge me harshly. I have tried my best to hang out with the best types possible, right? To really stay away from those that might influence me to do evil. I'd like to look at that metaphorically now, though, in our own situation of staying at home in this um, state of, of physical separation, physical distancing, yet at the same time social bringing close, trying to find other ways to be close with the members of our family, our loved ones, our friends, our communities. And to look at this metaphorically, not as that I am staying, I'm doing my best, Lord, to stay away from these evil people, because God forbid anybody in the homes in which we're living, I would have hoped that that would be the case, None of those people are evil, and we can't really stay away from them if we're living in the same house, if we've been isolated together in the same building. But, um, but to see these as metaphors, as the things we usually do in our life. The people here in this psalm are the regular people that are out there on the street, uh, in this case, perhaps in the temple, in the marketplace, in business, wherever they might be found, the people you run into, uh, the psalmist is saying, well, I stay away from those bad influences, those those, those not-so-positive people. Here I'd like to say that maybe we see those people as habits and that we might be able to say in our prayer to God, I have stayed away, or am at least trying to stay away, from those negative habits, whether they have to do with health, whether they have to do with ethics and how we live our lives, and how we manage our souls, our relationships with other people that we continue to have, through electronic media or in person with the people in our own homes. And those are the people that we are listing. Those are not the people, those, those are the people, the quote people, those are the, the habits that we're telling God that we're trying to stay away from. And then at a certain point, we go to this washing of the hands, which in the psalm is a metaphor, I don't really think it has to do with washing hands, although we'll we'll talk about that possibility in a second. It's a metaphor for I've washed my hands of these bad, evil people. Now I'm turning it into, well, I'm washing my hands of these bad, evil habits. And that, I think, is actually the simple meaning of the text here. Um, it has to do with uh, not necessarily what your own hands have done, but what, what you've done in your soul. Many, many interpretations uh, see in this um, uh, a, a, uh, a reference to idolatry, right? I've washed my hands of idolatry. Niki um, chapaim, in many contexts, uh, the, clean, the, 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 the clean of hands uh, refers to those that stay away from idolatry. Um, in rabbinic understanding, both in the Talmud and Midrash, there's this idea that I have I've washed my hands from from gezel from theft, um, and then it goes on to give an example. For instance, in the midrash, for instance, um, don't think that you can do something with something that's stolen and it will come out positive. Like if you've stolen 
uh, a, a lulav, something we use on the Feast of uh, Sukkot, of Tabernacles, a, a palm frond, and no matter how hard you pray, it won't help. You're holding in your hands, literally holding in your hands, something which you've done wrong, a sin. And so um, whether it is the, the actual washing of hands, of using the hands, or whether it has more to do with the heart, as is seen in later literature, especially the Musar literature, I'm thinking in particular of Misilati Sharim in the 10th chapter, uh, the, the attribute of uh, Nikayon, of cleanliness. And uh, he too, uh, Lutzato, brings this particular verse from this psalm um, as, a, uh, as a proof text for David, who is saying, uh, saying in this psalm, according to Lutzato and probably most rabbinic commentaries, it's David saying, I've washed my hands clean from those things. So um, it, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a psalm which could be difficult because of its negative uh, look on some people around us. On the other hand, if we convert that in a metaphorical interpretation into, from people to habits, I think maybe we could use this in a, in a uh, maybe it'll be a more appropriate, more appropriate for us. Um, finally, um, what we're looking for is what is said in the last part of the psalm, Vani betumi elech, but I walk without blame. I, I want to see myself walking without blame. I want to see myself refining, constantly refining myself, improving myself. Um, and therefore, I would hope that God and the universe would have mercy on me. And, um, and then ending on a very positive note, the psalmist says, my feet are on level ground. Right? I'm not about to tip over. I'm on level ground, and in assemblies or in a choir or uh, as, um, as 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 Alter translates it, uh, in the chorus, I bless the Lord. In other words, I, I bless the Lord. I'm part of that great chorus of humanity, in which um, there's an effort to be good and to be better and to improve and to constantly refine ourselves. And so I think that's how this psalm might function. Uh, perhaps try it out in a daily meditation. And perhaps, and now we get to my good friend, Rabbi Jonathan Klein, who suggested this might be a good meditation uh, or kavana intention uh, before washing one's hands every time we wash our hands now in this, in this climate of multiple hand washings. Uh, and maybe this could, uh, maybe saying this psalm uh, would would uh, would be long enough, would be the 20 seconds or the 60 seconds, whatever they're asking us to do now, of how long we have to wash our hands. We might say this psalm in a clean place, not in the bathroom, but in a clean place, um, you know, to uh, that would prepare us not just for the washing away of germs and the virus, possibility of virus, but to use this very physical necessity, this thing that we need to be doing, but to use it in a spiritual way. And that, of course, is how many of us would say all of the mitzvot, all of the commandments, the customs and the laws of the Jewish tradition. Um, I remember saying to my teachers in rabbinical school and, and uh, oy, getting drill, grilled over this particular point, I remember saying, if, if a, a particular halakha, a particular Jewish law, has no educational value, then there's no point in doing it. 
At which point, uh, those that were in charge of my rabbinic education said to me, then how are you different? This was a conservative rabbinical school, conservative Judaism. Rabbinical school, they asked me, well, then how is that different than the reform movement, which kind of said that from the 19th century onwards, uh, to which I answered, I don't know. I don't define myself by what I'm not. I can define myself by what I am. And I would say the same thing here. Uh, we can define ourselves by this act of washing hands, not only for the hygienic aspect of it, but also for how it might improve our character. Uh, I don't think Rabbi Klein knew at the time that the Baal Shem Tov, in his writing, suggested uh, using this verse as part of a kavanah, a, uh, a, um, uh, an intention before washing one's hands. For those out there who are listening who are not familiar with the Jewish uh, tradition of customs and, and uh, halakha and law, um, originally uh, when somebody was impure of the various impurities in the Bible, that is having to do things having to do with death, things having to do with sexual organs that are um, uh, dripping, oozing, uh, some bad liquid, if it had to do with a woman during her menstrual cycle, if it had to do with a, a, a state of scaly skin known as tzara'at, sometimes translated perhaps mistranslated leprosy, any of those forms of impurity, one had to be immersed in a mikvah, in a, in a ritual bath of what's called Maim Chaim, living water. Uh, and, um, and in the time of the temple, indeed, not only the priests and the Levites that were serving in the temple had to be uh, cleansed of, their, of the spiritual impurity. This is not about dirt. Uh, it's not about physical hygiene. It's about spiritual impurity, um, a, they were cleansed as was anybody who wanted to come into the premises of the temple or do certain things, be part of the uh, the Passover celebration, uh, a number of different things. And um, with the destruction of the temple and, and therefore the uh, cessation of those kinds of purification, acts of purification, uh, the rabbis of the Talmud came up with a few alternatives, mostly symbolic, for instance, washing one's hands. So for those of you that have been around a Shabbat table, I'm sorry if this is clear for some people, but I know that some of the people joining us are from other faith traditions, um, not just at the Sabbath table, but many of us before partaking of bread or a meal, we actually do a ritual washing of hands, symbolic washing of hands. Many of us in the morning, the first thing we do is we wash our hands. Um, that is to purify ourselves from the impurity, and I would be making quotation marks in the air, whatever they're called, air quotes, uh, the impurity of, of sleep, because our Jewish tradition teaches us that you are 160th uh, dead in your sleep. I think that comes from the fact that most people actually die in their sleep. And therefore, uh, your whole body was impure, but all the impurity left your body except for your fingertips. Therefore, you wash your hands in the morning. Um, there are, uh, there's a, 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 a custom that maybe you know, um, if you live in Israel, you've been to a Jewish cemetery, a, particular, a, a, a uniquely Jewish cemetery, there's a place to wash one's hands at the exit of the cemetery. Here in the United States, very often, and perhaps in other places as well, uh, the meal that is served, Sudata Havra, that's the meal of kind of coming back into the world, slowly coming back into the world, that the mourners um, eat, and when people come over to the house of someone sitting shiva, the seven days of mourning in their house, there will often be a, um, 
uh, a pitcher of water outside the door to wash one's hands. That's what all this is about, symbolic washing of hands. And so um, I truly want to thank my friend Rabbi Jonathan for suggesting this psalm. And uh, I hope that in the days to come, I will get a little bit more sophisticated in the various technologies so that I can have a discussion with someone else at the same time and we can continue uh, providing these chevruta, these uh, study partner kind of editions of, of Psalm Springs. Um, there's one more point that I'd like to make and that has to do with uh, another chevruta of mine that has to do with um, Rev Kev, Reverend Kevin Johnson of Bloom in the Desert Ministries. Um, here in Palm Springs. We, we've recorded uh, one or two uh, uh, Psalm Springs uh, episodes together, and I'm often in study with him, including Wednesday evenings. We co-teach a class uh, on uh, dedicated to a close reading of the book of uh, Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew. And while we are still in, I think, chapter 6, and we'll be doing this live stream uh, this this Wednesday. Uh, if you look at the Or Hamid Bar Facebook page, if you look on our on our website, there will be a link there as well. And maybe already by that time, we'll be doing it in Zoom. Whatever it is, there'll be a link to what we're doing, the live streaming. And um, although we're only in verse six, I have already been studying and preparing. And what I'm reminded uh, in, this, in this particular verse of washing of the hands in our psalm, is also in the scenes towards the end of the book of Matthew. Um, I, my, I make it clear to everyone in our class that right now I'm just studying Matthew. So it's not about the parallels in the other Gospels, which I'm sure there, there's a lot of light to be shed. Uh, this is not about what actually happened. This is just a textual reading of the Gospel according to Matthew, how that author of that book chose to... Um, to describe this narrative. And when we get towards the end, you know, you may know there's a, there's a, um, uh, there's a trial put on and the governor, uh, Pontius uh, Pilatus, uh, is, is getting very frustrated with the priests, the Jewish priests and the Jewish community. And he sees that uh, the crowd mentality the, the, is, is getting a little bit out of hand. And finally, in, in chapter 27, verse 24, um, so when uh, Pilatus saw that he could not, that, that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barnabas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. And of course, this is a, not so much as a famous, but an infamous um, uh, passage from the Gospel according to Matthew, which has been, I don't know if it's been the source of or the real cause of anti-Semitic violence and murder over the years, but it's certainly been present in the uh, 
Uh, I, I don't mean I don't mean to say that I don't I don't think it's been the necessarily the main cause. I think there's been a lot of other reasons that non-Jews have hated Jews over the centuries. But this, of course, was always brought up, and until the mid '60s, was still held to be a tenet of faith in the Roman Catholic Church. It still is in many other parts of the church. I don't know many, but other parts of the church, not in the kind of um, Christians that I seem to hang hang around with, but it's there in the literature and. Uh, that's for another time for us to discuss that. But this idea of, 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 of the governor taking out water and washing his hands symbolically, um, and this happening close to the temple in Jerusalem, uh, this, it's hard for me to not think that he was speaking to the Jews and the priests in their own language. Uh, already in Exodus, in the directions that are given towards the uh, Aaron and his sons, the priests, the Kohanim, uh, there's a lot of stipulations of when they must wash their hands. And the hand washing there is to make sure that they are doing whatever they're doing in a pure situation. And they've already washed their bodies if they've been impure before. And, but this extra hand washing is keeping themselves mindful of this spiritual cleanliness that they need to hold their, in their hearts and in their souls. And so, um, and, and some people, by the way, many of the uh, commentators, uh, I would say, I haven't really found it in the Jewish commentators, but in, uh, in, in some of the Christian uh, interpretations of this psalm over the last hundred plus years already, the earliest I saw is Briggs, I think his commentary is in 1906. He suggests, and many since then, Wieser, uh, uh, suggests that this is taken from this psalm was said in a particular ritual, the Zitzim Leben, that is the place in life, the life situ real life situation in which this psalm was recited in the ancient world in the temple was this procession around the altar in which one would symbolically wash one's hands. And, um, and there is there's material in rabbinic literature that, that would pretty much support that as well. Uh, I don't know if that's the case or not the case, uh, but uh, Alter really wants to steer us aside from that and is kind of asking us to please consider that this is just a metaphor. So whatever it is, whether it's a metaphor uh, in how we see this verse in Psalms, it's certainly not just a metaphor as we wash our hands in this difficult period of trying to uh, keep the virus at bay. Um, but even if it isn't, a metaphor, in other words, there's a real need for it, it doesn't mean we can't heap on more meaning. And uh, again, I want to thank my friend and teacher, Rabbi Jonathan Klein, for that, for that idea. Well, may uh, God bless all of us, and may, uh, may we each find our way to purifying our souls and our hearts while we purify our communities, our streets, our our cities from from this virus, and may we come out of it with better friends, right? Better habits, I mean to say, right? Better habits that we look at all the things that we do on a regular basis, and we have a time, we have a chance, we have an opportunity now to press the reset button and to um, perhaps come out of this after the month, two months, however long it will be, to come out of this in better shape than we were than when we came in. Of course, there will be other challenges and obstacles that we're, we're direly worried and, and concerned about the 
the financial situation, the economy, about those who are uh, in uh, high-risk situations, not just the elderly or people that have respiratory problems or any other kinds of uh, immune disorders, but also the people on the streets, the people who live in very tight quarters around the world. Yes, of course, they're in our prayers. But each of us has an opportunity here to do more than just say, stay safe physically, but to make ourselves safer spiritually. God bless you. Psalm Springs is a production of Or Hamid Bar, Light of the Desert, an organization dedicated to intellectual, spiritual, and social engagement with the Jewish tradition. We're based in Palm Springs, California, and we'd like to give thanks to Madalena Garza for editing and everything else tech-like in this production. Please check us out at www.orhamidbar.org for more information. And if you'd like to sponsor a Psalm Springs episode, you can do so by going to our website. If you like what you've heard, please express it on iTunes, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.